My name is Paige Thorla, and I've been a registered dietitian since 2020, but I've had my Bachelor of Science in Nutrition uh, in Dietetics actually for 10 years. I realized 2003 makes it 10 years since I've graduated with my bachelor's, which is insane. Um, and I went to school at the University of Cincinnati. Um, I took five years there because I actually went in. I chose my colleges based on pharmacy schools because I was good at math and science in high school. And then freshman year, I was in these like learning communities. And some of these kids were um, like working as techs at farm techs because they wanted to be pharmacists and would come back and be like, this fucking sucks. I'd be like, okay, well, I don't want to do this anymore. So luckily, like pre-med, it's a pre-med course. So we all kind of stayed in biology and sophomore year. I actually, so this is part of that question. I, I was raised, my dad's an amazing cook. And actually my grandpa, who I never met, his dad owned a restaurant in Ashland, Ohio, um, came from Greece and like, was just cooked all the time. And so my dad always made really amazing food for us. Um, in college, that's like the first time that you like cook for yourself, right? Like you're like on your own, like, oh shit, I have to like do this. But I was inspired to do kind of like what my dad would do. Um, but I also became a vegetarian. I read the book Skinny Bitch. So if any listeners know that book, it's like so old and it's so like edgy, but it's about like going vegetarian, like how fucked up mass production of animal products are. Um, and I was like, oh damn, okay, let me like it. So for ethical reasons, I went vegetarian and just that environment made me realize that I wanted to do something with nutrition. And so sophomore year of college, switched my major to nutrition. And my advisor said like, this is like, like you could be a registered dietitian. I'm like, Oh, what is that? Like knowing that I've heard dietitian, but not really, I don't know, I guess realizing that whatever, that it was a degree. So finished then did my four years and graduated. Um, so that's kind of how I got into nutrition, which is really cool. So always had a bio background and, um, yeah, graduated, um, you have to do an internship to be able to be eligible to take the exam and started one in 13, um, stopped it from anxiety and depression. So that's like another totally different topic. Um, but was able to find a job after stopping that and like getting my feet on the ground again. Um, a job that they only hired. It was actually, so it was an online nutrition, um, company, and they were multi-million dollar and it was a remote position back in 15 where like no one was really doing that. And they sent us computers and like phones. So I had my own phone line, my own extension, but I worked from home. It was crazy. And they only hired people in nutrition degrees. And I loved that because I didn't want to just be like a, I don't know, I wanted to do something with my degree, but it's actually very difficult to do when you're not a registered dietitian. It sucks um, because you go, go through all the schooling and then you're like, you know, you got to be like particular yeah. in what you do. Um, anyways, did that for a little bit, um, eventually reapplied to do my internship because I knew I wanted to be an RD. And at that time I approached Dylan, I was already his client for competing. And I was like, Hey, well, do you want to like be a preceptor? Like, what if I was like your intern? And he's like, tell me more. So that turned into me being his first intern and then us like partnering with wellness work days. And then after I was his intern, he hired me full time and here I am. That was an 18 that he hired me as an intern. So since 2018, I've been coaching with BA. Yeah. And, and just for clarity, Dylan refers to Dylan Bear. BA yeah. refers to Bear Aesthetics, the company that you, you currently work for. Correct. So awesome. Before we go any further, I actually am curious 
as to your response to this, but the difference between a nutritionist and a dietitian. Yeah, it's super simple. Anyone can call themselves a nutritionist, meaning like if I always say it, like if you wrote a book, you could say Bryce Calvin, comma, nutritionist. Okay. No, like that's not, it's not illegal. It's not wrong. Um, It's not wrong to call yourself that. Um, And so that's confusing to people. So it's not that like, you don't know anything about nutrition. It's that, um, when you put a comma and put something after your name, it looks like a credential that's related to school. And that's not related to school, which isn't the end all be all right. Not the only way to learn, but I think it's just confusing and I don't like that. And I think, you know, I try to not stay on my high horse about this, but it bothers me because I did go to school for it. And again, that's not the only way to learn, but when someone thinks and Bryce Calvin nutritionist is the same as Paige Florila RDN, it, when they think it's the same, it's fucking not. <laughs> so um, I, I, that's the simplest way to put it. Um, again, to be a registered dietitian, you know, you go through a four-year bachelor's degree, you do, they call it an internship, which is so dumb. It's basically supervised practice. After you graduate, you have to graduate, then you apply. It's almost like you get matched like med school. So um, again, it's usually unpaid, which is why they call it an internship, but it's supervised practice because they just sort of throw you in and you're like supposed to act like the dietitian in a, in a hospital. And if you have questions, you like go talk to your preceptor, but you're like triaging with doctors and shit, like as an intern. So it's basically like, see if you can do it. (laughs) And then you go through all these rotations. And then once you finish the the internship, you do have to take a a national exam. Once you pass the national exam, you have to re-up your credentials every five years. So you're registered as a dietitian. Most states, like 95% of states require a licensure as well. So I'm a licensed dietitian as well. And so I like, you know, the legal implications, again, this is another topic, like some states you're allowed to to give nutrition advice and even specifics and it's not illegal, but most cases it actually is. And I think the issue is that people, um, are never going to go after their coach if they, if they're like, if their health is ruined, which like they probably could in some cases, like that person's not a registered dietitian. And if they really fucked your health up based on like simple things like macros, because you had pre-diabetes that you haven't had no idea about, and it like made it worse. And now you're on insulin or something like you technically probably could go and like file a suit. Like this person actually didn't know what to ask me to give me correct information. So the fact is nobody does it and like, it is what it is. And I'm not, you know, I don't want people to get in trouble because they want to help people. But the main difference is as a registered dietitian, I'm protected. You know, I have liability insurance. I, I legally like it, this is what I do, you know, So anyways, that's like the main difference is that you can't call yourself an RD, right? But you could call yourself a nutritionist. Yeah. And and what you said at the end with like the the legal implications, that's one of the reasons why we're like progressive performance, very, very, very careful with what we do on the nutrition side is because there are those more rigid legalese issues. And, And that's something that I mean, you said you don't want to see people get in trouble for for wanting to help people, but at the same time, like you have people's health in your hands. So like, yeah. they're, they're and, needs- and my thing is, if this is what you want to do, like do it the right way. Like yeah. why not go to school? I don't know. Like protect yeah. yourself, like do what you want to do. And there should be some level of oversight and regulations with that anyway. And like, I, I've had conversations before where I've compared like someone's health with like their, their finances, right? Like if you're 
handling someone's finances, you have to go to school for a long time. You have to be registered. You have to be certified. You have a board of regulators who oversees what you're doing just to handle people's money. But with health, it's not necessarily the same way, especially what what we're doing, right? So there's not a lot of oversight there. But currently, you work with a lot of athletes, correct? I know that you you do work with GenPot, but you work a little bit more with like athletes. You work with more, I don't want to say like, extreme populations, but you definitely have certain clients that are are pushing towards that realm of, of comp or competition, um, mm-hmm. things like, you know, even pregnancy, right? Like coaching a lot of clients through mm-hmm. pregnancy is something that requires a high level of understanding of yeah. nutrition and also, you know, background in, in training and all of those things. So right. currently right now, what is your main approach to nutrition and to diet advisement and and guidelines and things like that. Yeah. So, I mean, this, um, sort of goes with our, like the point of today. Um, I 100% believe in starting with macro teaching. Um, a lot of people will say, you know, when macros is really above, like over your head, it's not a good place to start, or we can get into this, but a lot of people say it's a diet and it will create disordered eating. And I completely disagree with that because so my approach with anybody, whether they want to be they're they're an athlete, they want to do a show or they're just like want to learn about nutrition. My favorite thing to do is tell them what macros are. Um, and there are so many nuances, which is the important part about being a coach and actually something that I love about being a coach more than just a dietitian is I feel like I get to do more, um, and be more for somebody, but, um, just starting with the basics um, and getting a sense for what they're familiar with and what they're not in the beginning, obviously what their goals are um, and how particular my protocol should be for them based on their goals. But, but it always starts with, are you cool with learning about macros? You know, like, can I, can we start there and see how you do? And let's go ahead and just quickly touch on like what macro tracking even is. So okay. I'm, I'm going to go into this with the understanding that most people have a general idea as to what macronutrients are, what calories. Yeah. Are. So we probably don't have to cover like the super high level stuff, but like what is macro tracking as, as a diet strategy or a nutrition strategy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I say this in every onboarding call and I say, bear with me, you know this, but like maybe not the way I'm going to say it. So you always hear about micronutrients and you hear about macronutrients we're talking about what makes up food. Micronutrients are not called micro anything because they're less important. They're called micronutrients because they don't give you calories. There are three nutrients in food that give you calories that provide food with calories and they're macronutrients and it's fat, carbs, and proteins. So macronutrients and micronutrients. So micronutrients, right? Calcium, iron, vitamin D, all your B vitamins, all of that, vitamin C, you don't get calories from any of those things. They're just as important, but it's not where calories come from. So when we talk about calories or tracking macros, what you're saying is I'm tracking my calorie intake or my energy intake. And I think that's the best place to start because people will say, well, can I just track my calories? Well, you can, and we are too, but we're just being more strategic, right? You can get 2000 calories from all carbohydrates and zero protein, but why not get 2000 calories from a particular amount of protein, carbs, and fats to get to where you need to be faster. Um, so yeah, macro tracking, if it fits your macros was really big 10 years ago. Um, that is the idea that you're still tracking calories because calories come from fats, carbs, and proteins only. So when you're hitting a particular amount of protein, carbs, and fats, you're hitting a particular calorie amount every day, but it's 
There's so much you can do with the specific amounts of those macros that make it not only better for health, but also for your goals, like fat loss and muscle building in particular. Yeah. And, and obviously like what we said a second ago, you, you do work with populations that tend to need a bit more specialization in terms of what they're getting rather than just getting caloric inputs, right? So they're not just tracking, Hey, I need to hit 2000 calories per day. You might be working with competitors who need a, a specific amount of protein, carbs, and fat in their diet, or even, you know, what we were talking about a second ago with women going through pregnancy, like it's not enough to just understand their caloric intake. They have to understand everything that they're, in, that they're taking in. Right. So with macro tracking, what is the benefit and, or what are the benefits and what are the downsides compared to something like, let's say a, a meal plan, yeah. which would be a very rigid form of, mm -hmm. of tracking your macros or tracking your intakes, or even something like if it fits your macros, which is what we talked about a second ago, which that is a form of macro tracking. But mm -hmm. I know that we're slowly moving, <laughs> it's a more of it's more of a free for all. And I, I think that we're slowly moving away from like the hey, you know, if you have 200 grams of, of carbs today, you can eat all pop tarts. I, I we're kind of moving back towards Yeah, that. we were really big on that five years ago, weren't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like the, the micronutrients, like you said, are not lesser in importance. They're still important. They just don't provide caloric intake. So so what are some of the benefits and what are some of the potential drawbacks for macro tracking as an approach? For sure. So most people who are gen pop, so I call them lifestyle clients, they do come to me for weight loss, but 99% of people are under eating. So if you get this calorie amount and they're suggesting that you need to eat less based on your weight, they're incorrect. They are meaning the online calculator that you used or the, the blanket calorie amount that it's saying you should eat or stay under because that's not helping you, sir, right? Like if you need to eat more, like not only do we need to eat more, but obviously if I'm telling you to eat more and your goal is weight loss, we better be specific. So I think that, um, you know, drawbacks. Okay. So macro tracking is super specific, right? Like you have to be on board with using an app typically. Um, I love that because the way I describe it is it puts a nutrition label in your hands. So it's no different, you know, people kind of demonize like app tracking or like being super specific, but what's the difference between that and looking at a nutrition label on a box? There's not the, the advantage is that the app does that for you. Furthermore, produce, there's no nutrition label on an apple. The app has that for you. So it's not like the app is just like this wealth of knowledge. <laughs> it's just everything all in one place. So for that reason, my, what I love about macro tracking, um, in particular with comparing it to a meal plan is that it does give you the ability to fill your macros with foods that you're actually going to eat. So when you give someone a meal plan, you know, obviously it's, it's from a list of foods, maybe that hopefully that you got from them. You're not just giving them some random plan that you didn't even ask if they would like, let's hope, hope that's the case, yeah. but still no. though, still a list of foods though, that they have to stick with. So a meal plan is specifically like, here's what you're having for breakfast in these amounts. Here's what you're having for lunch, right? In these amounts and dinner and here are your snacks. And then you're done for the day. And this is all you get to eat. Obviously the drawback is that what if like one day someone asks you to dinner, the hell are you supposed to do then? And so <clears throat> meal plans right off the bat, like don't allow you to live your life. And I always say, although macro tracking is very specific and my, my clients call it macro Tetris, meaning that you can't just hit one of your macro goals. You got to figure out how to hit all three and it's difficult, but it takes 
time and the more effort you put into it, the easier it's going to be. Um, so although there are some sacrifices with macro tracking, there's a lot less sacrifice wise when it comes to macro tracking, because I'm not giving you a list of foods. I'm not saying you can't eat out till you meet your goal. I'm saying cut out alcohol completely. You know, there are so many things that macro tracking still allows you to do. And at the end of the day, the way that I say it is macro tracking or using an app to enter your foods and track your intakes is just teaching you about that food. All I want people to do is enter a food and like, look at what it gives you. Like, did you know that like salmon had so much protein? Did you also know that it had more fat than chicken breast? Probably not. And there's nothing wrong with either of those scenarios, but isn't it cool to learn something? <laughs> like the whole point is, and th this conversation will go this direction, but how are you supposed to learn to intuitively eat if you don't even know where your calories are coming from? So a perfect example is a lot of people who eat tons of salads. I have a salad every day. So I, you know, I switched my dinner to a good salad. Cool. What do you put in your salad? Because that matters. Like, okay, do you have, do you have a protein in there? Do you use lots of dressing? The macros could change. I mean, there are like thousands of variations of macros that a salad could provide you. And there's no way of knowing that unless you track it. Like, why don't you just enter what you're having and figure out it's all about learning about food. So instead of doing meal plans, so like the good thing about a meal plan, I do think is that when someone is presented with three macros to hit and they've never tracked before and I'm like, okay, go, like go, like you're really low in protein, figure it out, right? Like I do, I always want them to jump in and just like, typically I have someone who's never tracked before enter their normal day just to see how close they are. Like, are you close to my, my recommendations or are you super far away? Or maybe it's just one that you're far away from. So always just track what, where you're starting. Start with where you, where you're normally eating. You don't ever have to wipe the slate clean. So start there. And then obviously it can be really difficult to like, how do you reduce the fat that you're eating? How, like, where do you even start? Like where do a lot of times, because people are under eating, People are like, well, how, what carbs do I eat? And it's coming from a place of diet culture saying you can't have a bagel. I'm like, when's the last time you've had cereal? Have some cereal. Isn't that like so exciting? So they forget where food source. Obviously, even as a dietitian, I don't know like every food that proteins in, you know, so th that is something that people have to learn. Yeah. When that is really overwhelming because it happens a lot, I don't call it a meal plan. I say, I'm going to give you a full day of eating example, because even if I give it to you, you're not going to follow it every day. I know better than that. So let me give you one example of how you could hit the macro goals that I just set for you, because sometimes all they need to see is, oh yeah, I could have more rice. Like I'm already having rice. I can just increase the rice. So what I ask from them is I need screenshots of everything that you've just eaten today. I'm not going to change anything besides probably the portion sizes. And then I'm going to throw like a, if you need a protein source, I'm going to like maybe put some more eggs in or, or like, have you tried a protein powder or something? So anyways, I, I think that macro tracking and doing that macro Tetris, Tetris can be super overwhelming, but it's how you learn. And if people are committed to it, they need to dive in. And then you can show them with a full day of eating example. Again, not a meal plan, a full day of eating. Um, because they need to, even in the beginning, you know, they need to know that this is long lasting. And even week one, if they have to say no to a bunch of things, they might not stick with it. So I want, I'm going to show them that they can eat out at a restaurant week one. Just macro tracking allows you to do that. Yeah. So Macro tracking increases the freedom that potentially comes with eating. 
it, right. it opens, opens up more possibilities than yeah. what previously there with not only, you know, meal plans, but also just like you said, rigid diet culture, where it's very ingrained in us that we can't have cereal. We have to have, you know, white rice or brown rice, brown mm-hmm. rice before mm-hmm. white rice isn't good at, anymore either. You know, so like, I think that is a huge benefit of macro tracking, but getting back to, I think your original point was that it just teaches you how to actually eat, right? You, you can't, you can't have it done for you. And whenever you start paying more attention to the macros that are in each food and like the nutrition labels, you start to intuitively understand a little bit more what you're putting in your mouth. And I think that's really, really important. So for you, do you find like, once you bridge that educational gap, it becomes so much easier for clients to, to you know, hit that, that macro Tetris. It becomes almost back of hand. It's, they, it's not really thinking or stressful anymore. 100%. You have to dive in, but the more I always say too, like, we're so used to like, let me just enter this. Okay. The numbers look good and move on. But like, what's in your broccoli? Did you look at that? Just that one entry before you like hit submit. And the more people do that, the more they can. So, um, macro chart is something that anyone's who's new to tracking, just Google macro chart. And you're going to get these charts of like, do you need protein? Eat these things. Do you need carbs? Eat these things. Do you need protein and carbs? Have some of these. Um, but you start to be that for yourself. And the best part about that is the more you know about your food, it's food that you like. So you know that if you're going through your day and you haven't pre-planned your day and you're like, Oh crap, I am really low on protein and carbs. Like what can I have at the end of the day? Oh, a, a low fat Greek yogurt. It has carbs and protein and no fat. And that's something that you'll enjoy. It's not something random from the internet. And so the more you realize where your macros are coming from, the more that macro Tetris is so easy and applicable to you. Like not just someone random being like, Try these foods. Cause like, what if you don't have those foods? You probably have a yogurt in your fridge. If you've realized, you know, if that's one of the foods that you're thinking of to fill your macros with. Yeah. And, and I have experienced macro tracking a lot throughout my history of being really competitive with fitness, being really into, to bodybuilding and, and powerlifting and really, really trying to push my own personal goals there. I've always used some form of macro tracking, even at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So obviously like I'm very in tune with it. And now I intuitively eat and I don't even think about it. Like I just basically eat the same general things every day. And I, I never, I never even have to use an app anymore. And I can keep my body weight relatively stable for really long periods of time without much fluctuation because I just have done it for so long at this point. And say that again. You've got your foods, like you've got your exactly. go-to. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that that's like a really good end goal for a lot of people, but with your experience, would you say that macro tracking would be maybe not applicable for every single client that you have come in and what clients potentially would, would it not be that great of strategy for? For sure. So obviously I like, I'm so gung ho. I'm like, listen, we're starting with macros. I don't care what you say. Mm -hmm. And then it's very easy to pick up on if someone's going to do okay with it. Um, right off the bat though, older generations, right? Like who don't really understand apps in general, or even if they do, they don't want to, right? They don't want to even learn the intricacies of an app. Um, You've got to be super aware of that. Um, Luckily, I think in our coaching space, people come to us, you know, and typically people realize that they're going to be tracking macros to a certain degree. But not always. I mean, especially as a registered dietitian, people just hire me because I'm a dietitian. So I do have to be aware that people may not want to be on an app. So right off the bat, I think that's the age is the first thing that I see um, that I might 
use a different approach. And typically that's still writing your intakes down. It's just old school. You're just writing them. (laughs) And I will take a look. Sometimes I'll even go to the extent of if you write your intakes down for a day or two, I will put it in the app for you to see where you're at and show you how different what your intakes are currently to what my goals need to be for you. So the app is still present. (laughs) They're just not doing it. Um, so that's the first thing, but then eventually like a couple things, like, um, if someone does like even younger generations, maybe they constantly work from their phone or they don't want a lot of screen time, or maybe they like come to me and part of what they want to address is just overall stress levels. And like, I sleep like shit. Maybe we talk about not being on your phone. I don't know. Like maybe we start with like a food journal instead of me asking you to be on your phone more because you have to be with an app. Um, and then obviously disordered eating is something you have to be aware of. And I do think that kind of gives RDs the advantage in this space. Um, I think that if you have have had an eating disorder, you also probably know the red flags, but you don't necessarily have the credentials to address it, but I have credentials and know the red flags. And typically what I say is if disordered eating is coming from macro tracking, we stop it immediately. It's not even a question. I don't even push it at that point, but I dive into why, like, it's not just that you're tracking your food. It's something else. Is it, are you a perfectionist? Like, is it that you're so psycho about the gram amounts? Okay. So let's like, maybe I give you a range to hit, right? Like, so does that free up some of that anxiety for you? Um, you know, if it's causing binging, is it that you're tracking or is it that you're trying to use binging as like a coping mechanism for what's going on in your life? Like, so it's, there are red flags to look for. And typically it's not very rarely, is it because they're tracking macros? So it's we, what I typically do is either take a complete break from tracking macros, um, whether it's early on or after a couple months of giving it a try. Um, and we take a step back from using the app and do some other, there's so many other things you can monitor and check-ins. And we address, you know, the root cause of the anxiety or like the disordered eating that has typically resurfaced, not just randomly appeared. Uh, And so obviously that's a great reason to not do macro tracking if someone's doesn't have a great relationship with food and tracking is making it worse. But I, I also fully believe that if you have a coach that can teach macro tracking correctly and change your mindset around it to you're just learning about food, I don't even like, yeah, you've got goals. But on a day-to-day basis, or if you're eating out at a restaurant, I don't care if it's perfect. And so you shouldn't care if it's perfect. You're learning. And so I think that if people, if coaches reframe how they teach macros, it doesn't get disordered. And that kind of goes to, too, like a lot of intuitive eating coaches say, you know, I used to get free meals or intuitive days and I would like go insane just to get back on track the next day. I'm like, why would you go insane? Like, why didn't your coach help you frame what that day was supposed to look like. So I have a pretty strict framework for my free meals and intuitive days that I can talk about if you want, but oh, for sure. anyway. yeah. so, I mean, simply one thing actually I'm moving away from is free meals because so the way that I, um, I talk about free meals is it's not a cheat meal. First of all, um, it's, uh, I typically would give free meals in situations where they're not able to plan ahead because macro tracking does require planning. Um, I don't like people to macro hoard because that also can create a negative space when it comes to how you're thinking about food. So if someone like, for example, a Valentine's Day, happy Valentine's Day, by the way, (laughs) Um, a Valentine's Day dinner. 
um, your spouse, your partner is surprising you. You don't know where you're going, but you're tracking macros. Okay. Well, your coach has already told you, you can go out to eat, but if you're not able to look at the menu and at least have an idea of what you're going to have, you don't really know how to track that or how to account for the meal that you're going to have at dinner. Sometimes that leads to people not eating all day and then getting to dinner and having all their macros. And what happens is either they feel like shit all day or they get to dinner and and end up overeating anyway, because they're, they're starving. Um, It also then creates this idea in your head that you have to, you can't eat all day if you go out to eat or like, I can't eat if I know I'm going to have some drinks. So the free meal to me and the way that I want my, my clients to use it is, is if you don't know where you're going, let's take the stress out of that. I'm going to give you other macros to hit with the meals that you know you're going to eat. So say if it's dinner, breakfast, lunch, and snacks, you're going to hit a different calorie amount or different macro amounts and just focus on tracking that. And so when you get to dinner, I've already accounted for the fact that you're having more calories. And when you get there, you just order. But here's the thing. You don't get to, this is not free hours of eating. This is a, it's, it's a free meal as in free from being on your phone. It is not free from being, working towards your goals. It's not free as in, I finally get to have all the food that I've not had, which I'll get to again in one second. So it's, you know, I say, try not to have an app and an entree and three sides and dessert, and then go home and finish the bag of chips that you started. No, no. Like it's a meal that I don't even want you wondering what the macros are, but just like make it a meal, like just go enjoy yourself. We've tracked half, you know, most of the day you're just going to enjoy yourself. But one of the reasons I think that my clients do well with that is the point that when I catch someone only having Chipotle, for example, on a free meal day, I make them track their Chipotle. You better have your Chipotle on a tracked day because otherwise you're always going to have it on a, on a free meal day. And two things happen. You over, you go overboard. Three things happen. You make Chipotle this, like, I can't touch this food, this like special indulgence. And three, you never learn what your Chipotle order gives you. There's nothing wrong with Chipotle, but let's see what the fat content is. If you have cheese and sour cream. Could you do a half order of one of those? If it puts you, because here's the thing, you could do full orders of both of those, those toppings. But if you enter that one day and you realize that of your fat goal, which I do for not only weight loss, but for health reasons, like the American Heart Association wants you in a certain percentage, fat, fat calories, calories from your fat. So for health, I want you at a particular place with your fat. So if your typical Chipotle order is like three fourths of your fat for the day, The point is, I still want you to hit your fat for the day. So if you're cool with that, that's fine. You're still going to hit your fat goal, but you don't get a lot of fat to have the rest of the day. If that doesn't sit right with you, have a half order. Does that make it more manageable to hit your macros that day? So again, that's a great example. The whole point of tracking macros is to see where does Chipotle fit in your day for health, for your goals, but for overall health. Like can when you have Chipotle, what does the rest of your day have to look like? Let's say you get a a vegetarian meal. Maybe you have some of the soy, but there's less protein than usual. You've got to have a high protein, low fat day for breakfast and lunch before you go get that Chipotle. And there's nothing wrong with that. You're still going to hit your, going to hit your macros. It's okay to not have perfect splits of macros in every one of your meals all the time. Again, though, if you save your Chipotle for a time that you never track, you're never going to see what's in that meal. And that goes for anything. Cookies, my favorite thing is pizza. I know exactly what the rest of my day has to be like when I have my pizza. 
It's mostly fat, fat and carbs. But there's nothing wrong with that. I just have all of my fruits and veggies and protein earlier in the day. So that is the idealized version of of macro tracking, right? I mean, that's that's doing it the right way. That's doing it in a way that is healthy, that is not going to potentially like reignite any pre-existing, you know, binging or eating disorders, which you've already touched on. But for, even from my experience, like that's something that the potential rigidity of something like macro tracking can be problematic with, you know? So I know that you touched on it briefly with like intuitive eating days. So with days that are quote unquote cheat days, that's definitely not something I would imagine that you prescribe to your clients. <laughs> But, um, well, maybe I'm just putting words in your mouth. Is that so like, are our cheat days something that you prescribe to your clients? Or is it something more along the lines of like an intuitive eating approach where you're like, hey, we are going to just eat based off of your hunger cues off of, you know, mindfulness, but you're not just going to go out and have pizza and ice cream and cookies and eat until you feel like you're going to throw up by, at noon, right? So how, right. how do you approach those those days of potentially not tracking where you just give your clients a little bit of a mental break? For sure. And that's exactly what it's for. It's a mental break. Yeah. And by calling it a cheat anything, you are feeding into a negative yeah. mindset. 100%. So coaches who say cheat meals and you're listening to this, stop fucking saying it. Stop telling your your clients they get a cheat because every day should be feel like a cheat to them, whether they're hitting macros or not. So my approach, which is kind of what I started to say, I like doing now intuitive eating days more so than free meals in a lot of cases for this reason. I started doing what's called intuitive minimums. So you can, you don't have to track, but there are some things that, some boxes that you need to check for basic health for me to feel cool with you not tracking and for you to feel cool with not tracking. And this is something I just started in, in the last year, probably to make sure that they're treating their intuitive eating days like they need to treat the days post coaching because everyone's end goal is to not have a coach anymore. I don't even want them to ever have a coach me or not ever again. And they should never track forever. So when somebody goes from tracking every day to not tracking every day, the biggest thing that people run into is I was very excited to eat intuitively, like a, a whole week, for example, they'll come back and say, I was so excited for this. And I quickly realized that I was not able to, to just not think about it. I'm like, okay, so what, what were some of the things that you had to think about? And she, she was like, well, you know, I have to grocery shop. <laughs> I turns out my life is so busy. I still got a meal prep. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, tell me more. She said, you know, well, I, I realized that macro tracking helped me think about where my protein was coming from. All right. You know, so what do we need to do by take, like, by still eating intuitively, but taking the specificity out of it. So my intuitive minimums now, you have a protein goal, you have a fiber goal, you need two fruits a day, two to three veggies a day. And then the rest of the day can be whatever the hell you want. But those minimums are going to keep your health in check when you don't care about hitting macros. That is what's going to start instilling what not tracking is going to look like for you. Because not Tracking to intuitive eating is not tracking to not tracking. I want them to learn that tracking and paying attention to the things that I'm having them pay attention to 
is not a diet. Like you came to me, I'm a registered dietitian. Like you're learning things that just other people don't know, but should know, right? Like people who leave and come back will refill out a questionnaire and they no longer take their omega-3 supplement or they, they stopped drinking their water. And I talked to them like, yo, like that wasn't just for weight loss friend. Like, tell me what's, what's, why did those things stop? And so you have to make sure that what you're teaching is not just like, cool, we're going to diet for eight months and then you're going to leave. No, like I, my water goal is for general health. And here's why my omega-3 recommendation is for general health. My protein minimum goal for you, you better care about that for the rest of your life. And here's the thing, you're going to be in a room with everyone else who doesn't give a flying fuck about their protein. And that shouldn't make you not care about your protein. Because now you've spent all this time and money to work with a registered dietitian to know more than everybody in in the room. Like, what are you doing for the rest of your life if if not knowing more, right? So anyways, it's not a cheat day. It's an intuitive day, but there are intuitive minimums that my clients need to hit. And that helps them for the day that they're eventually tracking two or three days a week with me before they're graduated. So... I think that's an awesome strategy. Like that's not something I've really heard articulated like that as far as like minimums. I've I've heard of guidelines. You know, I need to trademark that. I'm pretty sure I'm the first. <laughs> so so I, I've I've heard of guidelines, right? And I think that guidelines, minimums, I think those are ways that you can keep people in the mindset of of paying attention to what they're doing without having the nest like the like you said, the stress associated with the specificity of macro counting and weighing and using the app. And I think that that's a really good way to like slowly wean them off of of certain certain things that they are using as crutches, right? And and I, I think that's a big problem with a lot of a lot of diet strategies is they're they're just used as crutches. And like what you said, where people will leave you and they'll stop drinking their water, they'll stop taking their supplements, they'll, right. they'll stop you know paying attention to their protein, and it's because they saw it as a short term solution. And in right. reality, like this just is, for weight loss, exactly. Like in reality, like even if you are hiring a coach for a short-term goal nutrition isn't a short-term solution like these are these are lifelong strategies that you have to understand so we just talked about intuitive days so what would an intuitive week or like a diet break look like in your world and how do you implement those for sure. So for those of them, for those of you listening who aren't familiar with diet breaks, typically they are a strategic higher calorie amount week. Um you know, diet breaks can be used for lots of different reasons. The first, the the implications, you know, are that you're taking a break from dieting. Um, I don't love that. I I say it's a diet break. It's a calorie deficit break is typically what it is. And that's not, I always say, I'm not giving you a diet break because I think you're like not doing a good job or because I'm not happy with progress. It's not because I don't think you can handle it. It's because this is what your body needs. <laughs> your body needs to not be in a deficit for five seconds. And, you know, I think longer amounts of time in away from a calorie deficit is also necessary in other contexts, but there is research more so now um, in the last five, 10 years about how diet breaks can be really effective in giving your central nervous system just like a reboot. And, um, you know, you're not going to change your resting metabolic rate drastically with eating more for just seven days, but there it's promising. And so Diet breaks are a little bit more specific in that um, you're still hitting very particular macros. Um, You're also usually getting an increase in carbs because a lot of research says that carbohydrates in particular have more influence over hunger hormones like ghrelin and um, leptin and all of that. 
Um, so typically diet breaks will be higher carb in particular, but then naturally they can sort of take the place of an intuitive week because people just want to eat more <laughs> in a lot of cases. Like if you've been low, low calorie for a long time, a diet break is going to feel like a break. So that's always a, a good approach, especially with someone who's been killing it at a lower calorie amount. That's going to be enough for them. An intuitive week is really something that I give um, in two cases because it's pretty, I mean, for to go seven days without tracking when you typically have a fat loss goal, there better be a reason for it. And I say that because it's very difficult to intuitively eat a calorie deficit. So you're basically taking a break from being in a calorie deficit. So two situations I, I usually give intuitive eating weeks is at the end when you're ready to not track anymore. We're going to see how it goes. Typically everyone's last week with me is an intuitive week and their last check-in is like, here's how it went. Um, or like their last couple. Um, or if someone's like mentally crashing and burning and, and they could be right in the middle of a cut or right in the middle of a prep or whatever. And if I think that they just need, like they're putting too much emphasis on this, because here's the thing for competition prep, especially you have to, you know, and then maybe that's a separate conversation, but there's good and bad things about bodybuilding. Right. So there are, um, I guess, red flags that I'll look for. Like if I really feel like they're, or really they're thinking about things incorrectly. Like I kind of need to hit the reset button and like my coaching is kind of going one in one ear and out the other. Like they're not thinking about macro tracking positively anymore. I'm taking macro tracking out of the equation. So they'll still have minimums for the, for the week because it's going to be a reminder that can you just figure out how to like survive, but get enough protein, right? Like how do you just get fruits and veggies in your, in your day? And that's all I care about. Can you then just like live your life? Could we like try that? And so it's typically like someone's crashing and burning or graduating for the intuitive weeks. I have also, um, if someone doesn't want to leave me, which is always really flattering, but needs to not be going for a weight loss goal anymore. Cause that's something I talk about as well. Cause I've got lots of people who are with me for years still going for a fat loss goal. And it's not cause it's not working. It's cause they had a cross country move. And then like we spent three months around the holidays and they weren't hitting protocol. Like there are so many reasons that it could take longer. And I might say, girl, we've like been doing this for, for, 18 months, like you want to like take a break. So I might do like sometimes even like four to eight weeks of maintenance calories with lots of intuitive eating days, just as like a reset, like, like let's just chill and see how that feels. And typically it's a good refresh. No. Yeah. And I think that that it, that's a really great way of explaining the difference between a diet break and like more of a transition to intuitive eating because a diet break, like you said, it, it's, it's a break from a deficit. And I don't think that intuitive eating has to necessarily be a break from a deficit. That can just be like a transition to a more broad strategy, right? So like with that, I guess that transition, what, what are you looking for to take someone from macro tracking as their primary approach to intuitive eating as their primary approach? Um, a good relationship with macro tracking. I'm always making sure because then I say, here's the thing. I... I, I don't know if I came out lucky, but like bodybuilding, like tracking macros, like did a great, it was a great thing for me. Like I have a wonderful relationship with tracking macros. I haven't tracked every day for years now with my pregnancies, but it has created it's, I it's in my mindset. I think around it has made it 
so beneficial to use macro tracking as a tool when necessary. So for example, if I'm lost my appetite in pregnancy, I track to make sure I'm eating enough and like hitting a protein minimum for my baby. Um, under eating is huge with breastfeeding. You have to eat more during breastfeeding than during pregnancy. And that's really difficult. How do you wrap your head around that when like you're a new mom and can't eat, like you can't even you just don't feed yourself. That's not your priority, but tracking allows you to like physically see shit. I had 300 calories today. Fuck like that. Like no wonder my milk supply is dropping. So you can use macro tracking as a, a healthy thing. And another way I, I'll use it now is when I'm traveling. Like a lot of people will say, Oh, I don't want to track when I'm traveling, but I'm excited. At least I have a, a, a way to see what my protein goal is when I'm eating out of an airport, you know, or like how much protein could like, can I hit a minimum today? So the first thing I look at when I, when I'm transitioning somebody is, do you see macro tracking as a tool, like rather than a crutch, like you said, like, is it, are you so excited to get away from macro tracking? And if you are like, let's like dive into that. Like I, you know, I'm not, I can't be a therapist. I can't replace a therapist, but I certainly need to talk to you about why you're so anxious to get away from tracking so that I can reframe it because that app is there for you to use for the rest of your life. And I want that to be a positive thing for you. So when someone's transitioning, obviously everyone should get away from tracking from, from an app. It's too specific. It is very, and this is something maybe we should have said in the very beginning for people who are not tracking macros currently, it is such a tedious thing, obviously, to enter what you're eating every single day and to have to go out to eat and, and figure out how to enter a menu item. Like no one should do that forever. The point is, if you if you use it to learn about your food and you know that it's a means to an end and you can dive in, it's almost like when you're coaching with me, at least it's a nutrition class. You are paying for a nutrition class. And if you see it that way, it is not a quick fix. And it better be a means to an end. So I guess to answer your question, like just making sure that the mindset is correct from I was being specific for fat loss. Because the thing about fat loss in particular is it needs to be specific. Like things sort of have to be aligned. Whereas when you're in maintenance, when your body's just chilling, you can have a little bit less and a little bit more one day. You can under eat protein sometimes and skip fruits and veggies every once in a while. But if you're asking your body to use fat oxidation as a main source of energy, you better be paying attention to the micronutrients that you're getting, how your sleep, your heart rate ranges, like you, you better be paying attention to a lot of things for this to happen quickly. So it is specific because that's what you're coming to me for. So let's be specific for the time being, knowing that this isn't, cause that's another thing too, like, Oh man, I'm getting results, but shit, I can't do this forever. I don't want to, I can't track macros. Like this is like my fate, like that. I finally am my, you know, dream body from tracking. And I have to say, no, you are because we got your results that way. But maintenance is, is different. Your body can chill in a place where it's not as specific because it's, it's living in homeostasis. Whereas fat loss, fat oxidation, it's not your body's go-to, you know, like there is a such sort of such thing as survival mode, not necessarily in the way people used to think of it maybe, but in the way of like, it doesn't really want to use fat stores to burn. It kind of wants to hang on to them in a lot of cases. But so everything's got to be good. How your body processes food. So like your gut health, again, related to sleep and stress management. So anyways, realizing that macro tracking is very tedious for a reason. And they've got to keep that good mindset around it. Like what I'm doing, like kind of sucks sometimes, but like, it's not going to be like this forever. And this, this is my goal. And then maybe sometimes the conversation goes to like, do you need a fat loss goal right now? Because if you're kind of stuck on like, you know, that macro tracking 
is necessary for your goals, but you're still a little miserable, like maybe like now's not the time. Like you don't always have to be going for fat loss, right? So then that's like a body image mindset shift that I'm happy to go into with my clients and another complete conversation, you know, different conversation. But yeah, that was a tangent. But I think <laughs> it, it comes down to mindset though. Making right. sure that um, when you start macro tracking, you know, it's going to be super tedious, but it will not be like that forever. So, yeah, yeah. So, so walk me through what it would look like from a client starting with you until a client leaving coaching with you. But walk me through like an ideal path from start okay. to finish. So this is, this is interesting because... Some people every in the beginning, before they like get to know me and how like thoughtful I am, will say, what do you, what do you, where do you see my weight when we're done here? I go, excuse me. First of all, I don't give a fuck about your weight, which is another conversation. But second of all, I, it's not up to me. I, you get to pick the body that you want to live in, you know, and if it ever gets to a hun an unhealthy point, I'll be like, girl, you're done or guy, you're done. But, um, you know, I, first of all, remind them that you need to speak up when you're starting to be comfortable. Um, when you could live in this body, like if you're coming to me for weight loss, you know, I would love you to love your body the way that it is. But if, you know, it's my job to help you get to where you want to be, but I'm not going to be like, Ooh, I think we're there. Cause I only, you know that. Right. So I think the length of time or like the end goal is up to the client, but the way I, I will say it is, um, I mean, and on a week to week basis, everyone's life is so different. So if someone is like consistently not really getting progress and it's related to their adherence, you know, maybe that's a time to take a break. Like let's graduate for a bit because this feels like a body we could live in. It like, this is not your priority and it shouldn't be like tracking macros for weight loss right now is like, not what's up. Like, this is not the time and that's okay. It's not like a fail. You're not giving up. You're just chilling out for a bit. It's not what you need to be worrying about. So that's one reason, like reason that I might say, okay, we're going to graduate you save some money. Like, let me just get you to intuitive eating, come back when you're ready. Um, or if someone I'll constantly bring up, because again, I don't think people, I think people who start getting slow progress, um, obviously love getting more and more. And if you're not careful, it's not an addiction, but you know what I, what I mean when I say that they're not going to speak up and say, this is what I wanted. You know, they're going to say, I, I want more, like I how lean can I get? So pretty often, especially when someone works with me for a long time, I'll say, how you feeling? You know, how you feeling about tra macro tracking? We've been doing this for a while. Your progress is amazing. Like, how are you feeling about your body? Like this is, I mean, let's compare from when you started. Like, is this a place that you could be for a bit? Like, is this what you had in mind when you started? And, and I think that helps them realize like, oh yeah, I, I probably could be cool right here. You know? Cause I, again, when you're getting results, like there's no end, right? Like you could just getting, keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller, but there, there are reasons to take a step back and say like, but are you feeling good? Like, don't you just want to not track for a little bit? So I will like drop little plant seeds. Like, let's talk about your goals. You've gotten lots of progress with me. Like, what do you envision for the summer? Do you have trips coming up? Do you whatever? So in terms of when this happens, it's so nuanced and dependent on the person. Um, but in general, you know, people get really good at hitting macros. We hit it pretty hard with, and we make sure 
in deficit situations, they're getting lots of refeeds and diet breaks and I'm teaching them a lot along the way. And then maybe someone finally says, you know what? Yeah, I think actually this is a place that I could be. I'm like, awesome. Let's talk about time frame. I need a 30 day notice. Um, do you have vacations coming up? Like, let's talk about the tracking situation. Like we, how do you feel about intuitive eating? Cause some people, we don't do intuitive eating until maybe the end. And then maybe someone says I'm terrified and I know I'm going to need three months with them. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to need more than four weeks to offboard you because we're really going to dive into why you're afraid and, and make sure that you're good, not tracking. But if someone's like, yeah, you know what? I actually feel pretty good. I do really well on my free meals. Like I, you know, sometimes when I accidentally don't track because life smacks me in the face, I feel pretty good. And, and so for those people, I say, awesome, let's like pick like a four to six week range. And I'm, I always want them to be eating intuitively in a maintenance phase. So again, it's very difficult to intuitively eat and stay in a calorie deficit for the main reason that when you're eating intuitively, you need to listen to your hunger cues. So if, if, if you're hungry and I want you to eat, you're going to take yourself out of a deficit. That's just how it, I mean, because when you're in a calorie deficit for fat loss, you're going to feel hungry. That's just part of it. That's your body is like being the, that ghrelin being released is like, yo, you're under eating. And you got to be like, yeah, I'm doing that on purpose. So when you're trying to, when you are intuitively eating, I'm going to need somebody to be eating in a place like an amount of calories that is similar to what their hunger cues are going to tell them to eat. So in the offboarding process, again, it could be four weeks for someone who's like, I got to go, <laughs> or it could be months, people who don't have an end goal, which is definitely what I prefer. Yeah. We start with a reverse. Um, so a reverse diet is just the opposite of, of a calorie deficit. It's just increasing slowly over time. And the benefits of that is when you do under eat, because this is a sketchy topic. I think I just recently in the last couple of months saw a post of someone being like, reverse dieting isn't real. And you better believe I was in the comments like, actually, here's what it does. <laughs> um, so reverse dieting in itself, it like you're refeeding syndrome is when you like overload your body with all these calories and you know, your electrolytes get really thrown off because you went from under eating to like now back to normal. That's not really a concern, even in people with eating disorders, like they used to think so that it's not that your health is in danger, but when somebody goes from being in a calorie deficit, when you go back to eating maintenance, you, that you're, ba you basically have a new maintenance. So if you're going to go back to how you were eating prior, your resting metabolic rate has slowed down to now your maintenance, your old maintenance is now a surplus. So it's not that anything health wise is going to happen. It's that if you just work so hard to get all this fat adipose tissue off, I want you to keep some of that off. But if you're eating in a, in a surplus, you might put some of it back on. So reverse dieting allows us to slowly increase intakes because calorie, how much you eat can slightly adjust your resting metabolic rate. So we're just slowly being like, this is how much I'm going to eat now. This is how much I'm going to eat now. And eventually you get to a place where, you know, and I do a calculation, a resting metabolic rate calculation at the end for people. And that's just an estimate, but it's usually a good place. And I make sure that we're close to that. And then it really comes down to like, are you feeling hungry or full? You know, like, are you good here or are you still feeling hungry? Okay, then we're going to keep going. So anyways, my offboarding process is reversing them to a place that's Gucci across the board. And then you start with one intuitive day and we reflect on it. And there, you better believe that there are intuitive minimums they have to hit. And I even have people either write down what they're having without even weights, like I had a bowl of cereal and a banana because I want to see that they're still eating fruits and veggies 
or I have them take pictures and send them, you know, like I want to see what your meals look like. And we're going to reflect on it because a lot of times people stop eating protein and there's no vegetables ever. So we take it one day at a time and I'm like, okay, here's what we're going to change about your intuitive day. Here's how I want you to change your thinking. Once we get one good one down, we add two, three, sometimes even four. And when you're tracking only three days a week, you're ready to not need me. And it's kind of just, you know, I make sure that they reflect on it. Like, how are you feeling? Like, are you, you, you feel cool. Like, I, I don't want you to try. I don't even want you to weigh yourself. Like go throw your scale away after you send your last email to me. But like, are you cool with all of that? Like, are you going to spiral? Cause a lot of times people will start eating intuitively and there's the scale will pop up the next day. And they're like, shit, I can't eat intuitively. I'm like, okay, like we gotta really, we gotta think about this. So there's a, a lot mentally that goes into eating intuitively. So my offboarding process is very like, let's talk about all of it and then have a game plan. Um, months. Usually I like to take at least two months to do that for somebody, but typically it works. I mean, it's just a mindset thing that as long as you have it the entire time you're tracking, you're usually in a better place and ready to not track and you're feeling pretty good about it. Yeah. So, so you would say that going from being really focused on like the objective measures, like the data, the numbers to more in tune with the subjective feedback that your body's giving you is going yeah. to be kind of like that ultimate differentiator, whether someone is ready to make that that switch to a more, more intuitive eating heavy approach, not necessarily cutting out macro tracking altogether, but just being able to listen to their body a little bit more. For sure. Yeah. Because again, when you're eating in maintenance, you can have a little bit less one day and a little bit more the next day and your physique's going to stay the same. And I think it's cool too. Like I want them to work with me and like reflect on that first. Like I want to talk about the fact that like, isn't it cool that you had a, like a day that was probably over specifically. There's actually a, one of our pros, I won't say who she is, but if she listens, she'll know she is working on intuitive eating with me right now. And um, I even had to, to remind her that she's, she was probably eating more than, sh than she was when she was tracking for a couple of her intuitive days and her weight didn't do shit. Like it's okay. Like that your body is going to chill. Like it it's, you know, so maintenance is an easier place to be in. Um, and I like being that like voice of reason rather than you just like, I don't know, people can't coach themselves. You know, I want them to think of like the correct things when they get on the scale or like my little series I just posted on Instagram. Like I, you need, I would say you need to be the page in your own head. Like you need to step on the scale and say, this isn't because I went over my macros yesterday. It's because I had my last meal at 1130 PM and I know better, not, not know better, like to not do that. But I know that that's what my scale increases from. Like, I know that because Paige has said that 1000 times to me. So yeah, anyways, um, definitely more how your body feels, biofeedback, um, listen to your hunger cues, but also realize that again, now working with a registered dietitian should mean that you know more and do more than the person next to you. You might be the only one in your family at the family reunion asking where the protein is. You know what? First of all, one day isn't going to matter. It's okay if you get left protein that day, but like everyone should care. <laughs> like I, everyone should, you know, there should be protein at the family reunion. So, you know, I think it's just kind of learning like what matters for general health and what makes you feel the best. Cause that's like where the micros come in and specific food choices come in and then just feeling ready to be, it's not all or nothing. You know, you yeah. got to give yourself like your body, it can chill <laughs> for a little bit. Yeah. And so this might be a, a bit of a tangential question, but just from my own curiosity, I want to hear your opinion. Why do you think that so many people struggle with the idea of dieting in general? 
And I know that dieting, dieting now has a very negative connotation. It, I don't think it used to like even 10 years ago, but now diet culture is viewed as like a very bad thing. It, yeah. It's it's not something that is, is glamorized. And even like dieting or paying attention to your nutrition as a way to be healthier is not necessarily glamorized anymore. But why do you think that people struggle so much with the idea of paying attention to what they're eating and not just for six weeks, not just going into their wedding, but forever. Why is that you know, such a think, haunting thing? I mean, honestly, I think it's it's mindset. Like it, it's truly like, you know, when I hear about um, the coaches who are like, man, free meals didn't do shit for me. Now I'm disordered. You know, I have this disordered mindset. I'm like, cause your coach fucked up because I, like, I think that people who have an issue with dieting or feel like they're in these loops of this is necessary, but also this sucks is because first of all, it is glamorized, like do that detox after your vacay or whatever. But then also they have coaches who tell them to do more cardio when they go over their macros. Fuck you, dude. If you're watching this and you've ever said that to a client, fuck you. That's how I feel. And clients are innocent in that. Like they're doing what their coach just told them to do. That is not the client's fault. And it's the same with under eating. Like people, I'm glad that my clients know to ask me, like I went over, should I go a little bit lower the next day? And the answer is hell no. Um, But I do think that that, it makes sense that people who get out of that situation are like, fuck macro tracking. Because of course, I fuck, I agree with you. I agree with you because it, you weren't learning anything. All you were doing is learning to hit these specific numbers and get shredded for what? You didn't learn anything about your health. Did your coach ever talk about a micro? That I require my clients to check their micros, which again is another tangent, but is, I mean, I, I'm even annoying with my clients because they have to use a particular app. I'm like, I don't care. You're downloading this for free and you're doing it. Um, because you can't not, if you're, if what you're doing is, if you're doing it correctly. So I think, I honestly think it stems from bad experiences, you know, and I think for decades, right? Like Weight Watchers has a point system. Cool. That works. What does that teach you? When you're not doing a point system, what do you mean points? What the fuck is that? Or yeah, I don't know, like the beach body diet, it has good principles. The foods that you eat on a beach body diet are very whole foods and like not these like macro friendly cookies and shit. And I'm down with that, but that's not all you have to eat. You can still go out to eat and you can have a macro friendly, friendly cookie. You know, it's just, it feels people are too all or nothing. And the worst part about being all or nothing is that sometimes it really works. And then you're stuck in this cycle of, well, that's all that works. And then it becomes, you're not just demonizing the way you did it. You're also like, fuck wanting that goal. Well, no, it's not, it's not the goal. It's not macro tracking. It's how you viewed it that entire time, which again, is not your fault. That is unfortunately the, just the way that you went about it, that was fostering this idea in your head that make made all of that bad. I don't think that anyone should have a fat loss goal for a very long time of their life ever. I also think that there is something to the Hayes movement, healthy at every size. Like you're the way that you look has nothing to do with your health. Living in bigger bodies has nothing to do with your health. Do I think that more adipose tissue on your body influences hormone signaling? Yeah, it does. So 
does it change things for some people? Sure. You know, but everything from, I mean, insulin's a hormone. So when you talk about diabetes, I mean, there are just health implications to talk about, but I, but I think that people who automatically say no one should diet or let me say, nobody should want to change how they look or be in a smaller body are coming from really, really negative places. And again, I'm with most of what they say. I agree with, right? Like no one, life is bigger than that. You know, like there are more or better things to care about, but there's also, there are ways to go about it temporarily that if you want to live in a smaller body for whatever reason, because maybe you feel better, maybe you can hike longer, maybe your joints hurt less. I don't, you know, I mean, there, there are reasons that it's okay to want to be in a smaller body. And I think the people who disagree have just been in spaces where it was super unhealthy and that sucks. That sucks. And, and I, I kind of want to piggyback off of what you just said. Um, I know that I've seen it. I'm sure that you've seen it, but going off of what you were just talking about where body size doesn't necessarily mean health, Right. I'm sure I could attest to tens, if not hundreds of, especially women that I've seen who are visibly in great shape. But if you were to look at their blood or their blood work, it would be absolutely horrible. It would just be a complete dumpster fire. And then if you were to look at someone who maybe was a little bit overweight in terms of adipose tissue, Mm -hmm. their blood work might look world better. (laughs) It might look, you know, completely healthy. So or they're they're the ones who have regular bowel movements. Yeah. So so what you're what you're seeing superficially is not an indicator of health. And this is definitely something that that you see a lot in the competitive space where whenever they're up on stage, everyone looks absolutely beautiful. They look like the the ideal, but a lot of times they're the most unhealthy whenever they're up on stage looking at their absolute physically yeah. best, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like like they're aesthetically they're they're their best. So that's something that um, I 100% agree with you. It's really challenging to navigate the conversations in the space to say that like there's nothing wrong with being a bit bigger. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be a little bit smaller, but you have to go about it in the right way and you have to come from a place that is understanding the potential trade-offs of both of those things. Right. And I don't think enough people really think that deeply about uh, a topic that is as complex as dieting and their long-term health. And they just want to jump right into it. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people who are intuitive eaters now probably did a show and they can easily say, I was in the worst shape of my life, actually, when I looked the best and that gives them ammo, but rightfully so. But again, I think that they need to be careful because (sighs) I woof. If I was trying to light up some fires, I'd be in everyone's comment section. Like, yeah, because that's because you fucking did it wrong. <laughs> that's because you didn't ask your coach why you're not looking at macros. That's because your coach didn't fucking do it right. So I think that yes, you're correct, but it it gives people fuel to the you know it's fuel to the fire for that extreme that yeah. um that nobody should want to be that. I, I, you know, if they want to be that, let them be that, but there's better ways to do it. Um, but this kind of leads me to, yeah, my next thing of that, what about life after bodybuilding? And I think I wish, you know, especially in the social media space and because it looks so cool to be shredded, like every competitor is not a competitor at some point, 
uh, pros too. Hello. Like why? I mean, even like, I think in like a lifestyle prep space, sometimes we talk about prep a little bit more and I'm like, not into that. I have half prep clients, but you better believe my lifestyle clients are still like, I said, this is actually one of my clients recently. I think I said something and she wrote me a message. She was like, I love that. I never want to compete, but you've always made me feel like I am on that level. Like my goals are the same. And I told her, I have people who sign up with me to do a competition and don't train as hard or don't follow protocol as well as my lifestyle. So just saying you're going to do a a competition or saying that your prep does not make you better. And I think that it's important to remember that um, it sucks that we glamorize these like prep clients um, because every prep client is eventually a lifestyle client. Like lifestyle is life. So I just think that um, making sure that the um, the work is being done, because here's the, again, this could be another hour long conversation about actually how prep like you can't really fuck up your protocol with prep. Um, but there are still way and being that low body fat and that low calorie even if it's for a short amount of time because you did it the right way, like, isn't good for you, you know? And so that's, again, another conversation, but you can still, you know, a lot of my clients get, and this is like a badge of honor, I feel like with coaches, but a lot of my clients get their period back very quickly. And I do think that that's because we spend as much time as possible, not in these low calorie amounts, and they pay attention to things like micros, um, like they they pay attention to mindset and sleep and stress management. And um, anyways, yeah, I think remembering that it's it's not about a particular body. It's that you can you're going to live in both at different points in time and that lifestyle is like what we should be talking about more, I think. Yeah. And like you said, just kind of glamorizing the competitive side of it a little bit less and just understanding that that is a particular season that you're aspiring for. And I I think that aiming for extremes is a cool thing to do, but it's not somewhere that you live your entire life in. And, and whenever you, whenever you get to those extremes, it's often really challenging mentally and physically to go back to what most people would deem to be like normal, right? Because you have to see yourself slowly, I guess, quote unquote, regress from where your physical peak was to get to a more healthy place that's more sustainable that you can actually live at. And a lot of people really, really, really struggle with that transition. And that's, I feel like where you see a lot of people fall off of the macro tracking bandwagon, and then they start to become like the biggest adversaries against macro tracking because they had a negative experience with it where they maybe were a little bit too extreme with their approach going into something like a very hard long prep and then coming out of it maybe it wasn't done correctly and they had a a bad experience and then they never want to go back into that again so then they just kind of like cast away all things having to do with macro tracking or weighing yourself or weighing your food or taking you know consistent pictures and maybe it's not necessarily like that big evil that some people claim it to be. It's right. just that it's done in a very particular way. But if it's done incorrectly, really bad things can happen. Right. Yeah. And I think my I mean, my clients too, they reverse and like still have body image issues because that's the bodybuilding aspect. That's because you just told me that you have a goal to to get to an unsustainable place. 
And you better be okay with the fact that it's unsustainable before we even start this. So really, I mean, my still lots of my clients are like, oh, this kind of sucks, like getting to a place that I didn't look like around show day, but it's never they never relate it to macros because they know they from working with me, it's not about the macros. It's not the macro tracking and the dieting that did that to them. It's the fact that we we lived in this lower body fat percentage. And I mean, this is a separate thing too, but it's it's because of what we glamorize in what we see someone and also actually kind of piggybacks um, how health looks. It's not what you think. So when people get compliments, on how well prep is going because they're looking smaller and leaner and shred more shredded you get more compliments unfortunately in person online and then as soon as you don't start to look that way compliments stop and that's a hard thing i mean to to more people know less than you you know so you've got to be the one to be like they just don't understand that that's not okay you know you and that's hard to do um and I feel like the more we hype again, so that's to me, it's not related to macro tracking. It's, it's, it's a whole culture thing. Like we need to stop a comment, commenting on weight at all. Like someone could be losing weight from an autoimmune disorder. You like you, maybe they don't want to be losing weight and you're like, oh, you're looking good. Are you working out? Do you want them to be honest? Cause sometimes it's not their choice. Maybe they have Crohn's. Like maybe they just found out they have celiac disease and their guts destroyed. Maybe it's hell to eat for them. You know, for example, I, you know, I don't talk about the fact that yes, I look better post baby and thank God, like I, my body was good to me. It has been hell eating recently since 2020. When I had Zoe, I hate food and I could cry thinking about how people will say that's a nice problem to have be me for a little bit. And so I feel like to get compliments on how I look is like, great. I wouldn't have picked it. I wish that I enjoyed food the way that I did. And I think it just, it happened from pregnancy. So anyways, we need to, first of all, stop complimenting somebody's size at all, especially weight loss. And then we need to like hype the right things. Like, do you see him working hard in the gym? Say that was a fucking great lift. Like did, you know, and uh, social media kills me because Obviously, like the physique photos get the hype, and then you post about like your like college graduation, and like you get like half the likes. Like that's what like life's about. Like hype that, hype that. Anyways, that's a tangent. Yeah, and that's definitely something we could go on a tangent for for a little bit longer. But I yeah, I think that I'm going to be really respectful of your time here. So like, I want to throw a couple of questions at you, just kind of like rapid fire and and see what we can do with that. So one of them is I have a mom and my mom is someone who I would consider very, very uneducated about diet. And she's always coming to me and she's always asking me like, what is the best way to lose weight? And for reference, like my mom is in her 60s. She's from a different era. So you mentioned at the very beginning of this conversation, there are some people that just aren't really comfortable using apps. They're not really comfortable with things like macro tracking. It's not intuitive to them. So what would you say to someone who is like in their 60s, who just wants to lose a little bit of weight? They they have no idea what know what any of these things mean all they know is just eat less don't eat bread right like don't eat fat like those things are all bad so like how would you give advice to someone like that asking you on how to lose weight so couple things with this um it probably needs to come from someone who isn't her son and i say that as, 
I mean, and right. Yeah. And I'm sure you know that, but I say that to anyone who's trying to tell their parent. So I think um, it's not the message, it's the messenger. But I listen, I think that even though they're from a different generation and, and a lot of that stuff's instilled in them and a lot of them are not going to be on apps, that doesn't mean that they're not able to learn and willing to learn. And it also doesn't mean that they're not going to understand macros. So again, with anyone that's my approach. I, I want to see, cause some of my, I mean, I work with a lot of people over 50 and they're fun, like, they get it. You wouldn't know they're, you know, that, that from a different generation, like they understand, like, and maybe they ask some more like yo-yo diet questions. Cause that's what they've been taught, but the macro track, like, uh, so a lot of people still can, un, can wrap their heads around that. So even if it falls on deaf ears, you better believe in like a one-time consult with someone who's older. I'm still going to teach macros because at the end of the day, your food has protein, carbs, and fats, and you really should know what that means. Okay. So beyond that, they're, they're not into it. Kind of goes, it's still a little bit over their heads. <laughs> the best thing, and this is kind of what we learned in school because as registered, res, registered dietitians, when I went to school 10 years ago, the fuck? Um, we didn't really learn teaching macros. We, we learned obviously macronutrients, but like that as like a teaching method was not something I'm just very grateful that that has become something now because it's more so about when someone comes to you, it was, um, you know, diet recall and these like real structured interviews and, um, portion size plates and, meal plans and like the backbone of that is really good because when you would write a plan for someone like that like what we'd learn in school like you're as the dietitian doing the calculations like you're you're figuring out their macros and then giving it to them in a plan so i think that that's kind of where you go you know like again I, i'll say write out your intakes i'm going to put it in the app for you cuz i still want you to see what you're consuming. Um, because I think even if you don't understand macros after me explaining them, you're still going to see if I tell you that you're getting 75% of your calories from fat, you can understand that. And then, and then you talk about why that's not really okay. Right? Like if 75%, if, if the American heart association wants your calories from fat to be 27 to 32 and yours is 75, let's talk about what that can do for your heart. So you can, you can frame it in ways of like, it's still macro focused, but more like let me make it applicable to you. Like, let's like look at your diet and then I'll show you what I mean by you need a macro split. So um, that, and then also like busting myths. It's my favorite thing to do. I go, what do you do? And like, why do you do it? Like, where did that come from? Right. So like the more, like, why do you not eat white flour? Let's talk about it. Where did you see that? And if sometimes that works with my dad, sometimes I'll be like, actually, did you know, <laughs> you know, like the whole 8 PM thing, he yeah. loved hearing that, you know, it's not, it's not that you store more fat at a particular time of day. Otherwise every night shift worker would be overweight. It's people typically will eat their normal three meals and then eat more at night. That's why that was a thing. So if you just bust a bunch of myths of that generation of people, really with anybody, but especially that generation, they're typically receptive to that. So again, it's not the message, it's the messenger. So making sure that someone's like, I think that's what I love too about being a registered dietitian. They can be like, I'll trust you. <laughs> and they should. But, um, you know, I think that helps me a lot. Um, for anyone who maybe is thinking about being an RD, it's also career. It's like um, job safety, you know, like I, I may not be an online coach forever, but I'll always be a dietitian. Um, so yeah, I think um, making it fit them, but also re remembering that they might get macros, you know, they might understand that and then tailoring it to them. No, I think that's a beautiful answer, actually, um, especially the, the 
part about not trying to coach your parents or your relatives. That's, I think, it's something so hard. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I've experienced over the last, you know, however many years where anytime I have a family member or a really close friend ask me to help them, I'm like, I wish I could, but you're not going to listen to me anyway. So, you're not like, listen. yeah, yeah. It's kind of pointless. All right. So, next question I have yeah. if you were to recommend one supplement to everyone to take, what would that one supplement be? Can I say three? Of course you can. Yeah, no, that works. Okay. okay. So, well, I'll say two for sure. Um, the first one is for general health, regardless of what your goals are. I always talk about a fish oil or specifically an omega three. So I'll focus on this one. So, um, omega threes and sixes and nines are what's called essential fatty acids. And the reason they're called essential is because your body does not make them. So if you were just a, didn't eat food, you wouldn't have omega threes, sixes, and nines in your body. And that's a problem because your body needs them. Like, for to do things. So you have to consume them in food. Well, six of the nines, you kind of just get them from your diet. They're, they're not hard to come by. You never need to supplement sixes and nines pretty much. Omega threes are harder to come by. Um, the main sources, they do come in plant sources, but kind of random ones. So the main sources are salmon, mackerel, bluefin tuna, like not really from a pouch. Um, anchovies, like random stuff. And so you can, my thing is, you know, people say, Oh, well, I love salmon. I'm good. Cool. So make sure you eat about six ounces a week, but you better make sure your grocery store always has good salmon because here's the thing. The week that you don't buy it and consume it is the week you didn't get what you needed. Okay. So because of that, or because lots of people don't eat fish, you've got to get it somehow. So you can get omega-3 from food or supplement. So I'm very happy to talk about this because a lot of people think that fish oil in particular is like a buzz thing. It's a health health thing, right? Like health food store supplement. Like you, you know, you probably don't always need it. No, you, you probably always need it again. It's an, it's essential fatty acid that you have to consume. And if you're not getting it from food, you better just have a fallback. So have your salmon, have omega-3 in the, in the cupboard, you know, have it just in case. I also love the idea, like, uh, one of the multis that I recommend it's from ritual. It has like a third of the omegas that you need. So, okay. Get it in your diet. But like, this is like, it'll get you some of the way. And I love that because then you can still like, you should still eat a good diet. So I think omega-3 is my biggest thing. And again, that's forever, forever. Um, vitamin D, you know, is probably a close second just because most people are deficient. But I'll, you know, I usually even put that on the back burner because you can get blood work done and check your serum levels and see where they're at. Unfortunately, even if you're normal, you're probably low end of normal of the range. I would say 99.9% of people are under or low end of normal. So that's a good thing because that's vitamin D is not just for bone health. It helps with immunity. And I mean, there's, you need your vitamin D. Um, and then creatine, you know, we always talk about creatine. So this is something that um, I call it a why not supplement, because if you take it, like it's going to help you. So why would you not? That's like how I feel about it. So it's not going to make or break you. Creatine is already something your body has, which is awesome. But I think that's one of the cool things about it is you're not giving your body something it doesn't know what to do with. And specifically, though, it's going to help with performance. So you don't need, let me say this, you don't need to supplement creatine unless you're doing some type of resistance training. I usually make a general rule of at least three days a week only because you already have creatine. So do you need more of it? I don't know, probably not just like to like lift things around your house. You're probably good. But if you're resistance training, so that's weight training bands, even like 
vinyasa flows, like of yoga, like if you're using your muscles, creatine is going to help you. And it helps by donating a phosphate group to create ATP. So it helps with recovery, but it also is, it's kind of waiting in the wings to help you with energy in the moment. Doesn't really help with endurance, like running endurance sports. It's more so going to help with the way muscles are used in like a lifting fashion, which is why it's creating sort of like a bodybuilder supplement, but it's not, it's just, if you use your muscles, again, it's a why not supplement. If you're so, for example, if you're training and you have a goal of building lean tissue, why would you not take creatine? Like it's the most researched and proven effective ergogenic aid, meaning strength and performance ever. So depending on their goals, I would say, you know, most people are also training, but if you're not training, I say like, save your money again, your, your body makes creatine. But if you're training, which a lot of our clients are like, take creatine, please. Oh, I love that answer. I love the answer so much. Okay. So last one, last, yeah. last question. All right. So is eating organic important? And if so, how does it help? Or if not, why is it not? Yeah. I mean, so the idea is that organic is, it doesn't have pesticides or it doesn't have the same preservatives. Um, but the thing is, um, organic still has some level of that because these crops are being mass produced and you like have to have that. Um, I'll keep it simple. Pesticides do not decrease or change the nutrition content of the food. And here's the thing. People who say you need to eat organic, in my opinion, is a bit elitist. Cool. You're in a position to pay for that. You're clearly not in a food desert where organic is available. But the second that you say that that's better, someone who's in a food desert, meaning miles and miles from fresh food and has to shop at a gas station or get an apple that is not organic, you're saying they're less than? Friend, no. So I think that you've got to be careful. I, I do, I, you know, I like the idea of less is more, right? So I think it's good in theory, but the overarching theme of organic is not better. No. Paige, thank you so much for having this conversation. I absolutely loved it. Um, I would love to have another conversation, uh, yes. maybe expanding on one of your, your prematurely ended rants that yeah. we didn't necessarily have time today for. So before we head out, um, I want you to talk a little bit more about where people can find you and potentially how they can learn more about you and what you do. Okay. So I, I honestly work for my Instagram. I love to hear from you via email. Um, you'll see my Instagram is my life. It is not just business, but I post a lot of um, nutrition education there. And um, if you just want to see my nutrition education stuff or the stuff related to what I do, you'll find that in the um, story highlights at the top. They're all labeled for clients, nutrition education, things like that. So that's kind of where you would go to all my posts that you are looking for are there. Um, you know, if you want to hype my mom life, thanks. Cause it's fun. Um, so Instagram is where to find me. Um, it's kind of, I, you know, I don't like to be on a ton of apps, so that's where you'll find me. Um, and then you can email me at page at baristhetics.com, which will be in the bio. Um, and, um, I actually would love to announce that I am writing a book on macro tracking. So, 
you guys get the exclusive. This is the first time that I've ever announced it publicly. Only my close family and friends know. Um, it's called macro tracking with a purpose. So it is how to use macro tracking with the end goal of intuitive eating. Um, it's going over all of the basics of what even macros are to how to track them, why to track them and what to consider. And I want it to be used by people who are currently tracking macros all the way to people who just want to learn how macro tracking can help them. And it'll be available this summer. No, that is amazing. I know that we talked about that a little bit. I am really fucking excited <laughs> to release that. And I'm excited to read it. Um, and I'm excited to use that as a resource for a lot of my clients as well, because I know that if you're doing it, it's going to be fucking awesome. So yeah. again, Paige, I want to thank you so much. This is a really great conversation. So great. Um, I learned a lot. So thank you again. Awesome. Um, and yeah. Yeah, we'll have, to do, we'll have to do this again. For sure. All right, see you, girl.